Welcome to Box Out Banter, where we are finally at the playoffs. Well, almost. We're at the play-in tournament. Uh, we had a kind of wild end of the season. Half of the West reshuffled to uh, avoid the demon of the Los Angeles Lakers. But we'll, we'll get into all that. Uh, joining me as always, Mr. Jordan Christmas. How's it going, Jordan? Feeling great. Fully vaxxed. So if I turn into like static shock or something during this podcast, I'm sorry. So this uh, is what I wanted. To talk, this is what I wanted to start the show off with. When did you get your shot? Uh, my second shot today. Like just okay. uh, three hours ago. Okay, so this is what happened to me. I got mine on Friday. I got my second shot on Friday. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who doesn't know, and you should know if you're watching the show at, th- at some point, uh, I obviously work for an esports. Co- esports team that focuses on fighting games jordan and i are both fans of fighting games uh so guilty gear strive had their second beta weekend this past weekend uh and so i was super hyped to play and get to you know get to get to jump in there um my main my main from past guilty gears is is you know and she was put into this beta so super excited to play and uh so yeah that friday i was like cool let me play guilty gear for a, a bit so i played for about four hours and my arm, you know, like after you get a shot, your arm starts to really hurt. Like the arm pain is ridiculous from this from the vaccine. I don't know what it is. And so my arm started to hurt, and I was like, "All right, it's not a big deal. Like I can still hit buttons or whatever. It doesn't hurt that bad." And then I started to get a headache at like two in the morning, getting a headache. And I was like, "Oh!" And I started to get dizzy. I was like, "Okay, like maybe too much guilty gear. Let me back off the guilty gear." <laughs> so I backed off. And I went to go lay down, and I was like, I'll go to bed, and I'll wake up in the morning and play more Guilty Gear. I didn't play a single minute of Guilty Gear after that. Oof. Because I was in bed for two straight days with chills, fever, a migraine, and body aches that, like, I, I, it was like the worst flu I ever had. Oh, boy. The, this isn't, uh, this isn't exactly encouraging. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, like, you better buckle up for for tonight. I've heard but I've like, heard mixed. So like I've heard I've heard a few people now who have gotten the second dose and say they're completely fine. But I've probably if if I had to do a count, I've probably heard a lot more of like your case where like it's the headaches, it's the it's the arm pain and stuff like that. And I do feel a little bit more soreness in my arm than uh quite frankly the first dose I didn't feel anything well at first, all. Dose, first dose nothing hit me yeah. first dose I was totally fine and yeah. like I was like oh yeah maybe my arm hurts a little bit and like maybe I was a little tired that day but like I just woke up and it was fine but yeah, yeah I yeah. woke up that Saturday and I could not do a damn thing well and this also doesn't bold well because I'm an overnight person so I'm going to be going into work tonight and if I if I get effects towards the end of my shit <laughs> that's not gonna be that's not gonna be fun but you know, I'm confident that that I'll be fine. Uh, but it, I am feeling the uh, arm soreness a little bit. I'm just happy to be fully vaxxed and just see the yeah. light at the end of the tunnel. We can, we can make out. Make out? Uh, no, we won't do that. But <laughs> but no, okay. I, no, we no, we we don't we don't have to do that. But yes, summer summer is going to be. Uh, it's going to be fun. Um, I have I have a, two plans this summer. Um, I only plan for two because you know I'm still trying to be as safe as possible. But I made these two plans knowing that I was going to be uh, f- 
fully vaxxed and um and i'm just i i'm just glad that there's light at the end of the tunnel now i guess is what i'm trying to ultimately say and uh you know the season also ended and there's light at the there was light at the end of the tunnel for that but um there we got play-ins we got there's no nba games on today unfortunately but tomorrow is the start of the new format the play-in and uh it went down to the wire like teams were still jockeying for position uh the clippers were doing everything they can moving heaven hell and earth to avoid the lakers possibly um the nuggets wanted the uh, mavericks the dallas mavericks wanted to avoid the clippers there is this there was just some uh there was uh, some buffoonery going on in the standings yesterday, which which is always a welcome sight to see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, so what caught your eye for this last couple, uh, this last week or this last couple weeks of uh, of leading up to the plane, like kind of how the excitement level of this, this plane? So a couple of things. One, um, I think I said on my podcast two weeks ago that my top three MVP, my top three MVP like candidates is obviously Jokic, number one. He's going to win it. Two would be Embiid. And then I had Giannis penciled in as the third, but I'm going to erase that and put in Stephen Curry. Um, yeah. Because Stephen Curry has been spectacular all season long. And maybe like later in the podcast, I, I wanted to write it down, but there's a few like, there's a few things I enjoyed about this season. And obviously, it's not one of the best seasons in terms of like, you know, the blowouts were really bad. There were a lot of blowouts. And I think Chris Herring of Sports Illustrated did a good um, piece on this. But there's been an abnormal amount of 20-point blowouts, 40 or 50-point blowouts. Um, but there are a few things I took from this season. And Stephen Curry obviously is – was one of my favorite storylines of the season because everyone was like, oh, can he can he lead uh, a team to the playoffs uh, without Kevin Durant, even though he did that before? Oh, can he, uh, you know, still uh, – it's going to look different now without Klay Thompson spacing the floor for him. Why do I still see screenshots of dudes quadrupling him at half court like it was still his unanimous MVP season? Why is he still efficient like this? Oh, it's because Stephen Curry is one of the greatest players of all time. And I know we've harped on this before on this podcast, but this is one of my favorite FU seasons from a player where it was like, all right, y'all doubted me. I guess I have to remind you guys who I am. And now he's won his second scoring title at the age of 33. The only other person to do that was MJ. He is the him Wilt and I think one other are the only players to win multiple MVPs, multiple scoring titles, and multiple championships. And also, I just want to say, it, when I say Stephen Curry's the greatest shooter ever, that's obviously that's obvious. Like that's, that's been that's been over for like seven years now, as far as I'm concerned. But he's one of the great scorers. Period. Like he is just a great player, and I am so glad that he had the season he had and it just made me think please put a contending team around this man and Draymond because Draymond Green he would probably be second or third on my defensive player of the year ballot he's definitely all NBA first team but those two guys the Warriors pillars still got it Draymond probably not so much on offense scoring wise but 
he he was every bit as good defensively this year as peak Draymond. And the Warriors somehow, who were a tire fire defensively at the start of the year, are top five, finished the season top five in defensive rating because of this dude. And both of those guys, I thought it was just a Clint Eastwood season for them. And I come back season. I, I loved it. So that was my main takeaway. So here's my question. And I know we brought this up before. So they get Clay back next year. Mm-hmm. Does that solve their problems? No, right? No, they probably need a, one or two more players, I imagine. What if Wiseman progresses? What if Wiseman progresses the way we think he'll progress? And like, you know, not be an all-star or whatever, but like be a solid contributing player. Uh, Do they still need another wing? They definitely need another wing. The Wiseman question is... Kelly Oubre or Andrew Wiggins? You see, Andrew Wiggins, he had a solid year. So I'm going to give credit to Andrew Wiggins where it's due. He... He probably he scored at the his career high efficiency, which is like league average true shooting percentage. But he was legit their second best defender. Um, Kelly Oubre, he got hurt as he was turning it around, but I wouldn't bring him back. But they definitely, I would look into. I wouldn't be surprised if they looked into trading Wiseman and uh, possibly trading the Minnesota pick to get to finesse something because. Okay. I mean, Cade would be nice. Lamelo would have been nice for this Warriors team, also. Oh my God, Lamelo would have been beautiful. Could you imagine Lamelo flanked by Clay and Steph? And the yeah, like the the pass, they would have had two great passers in Lamelo and Draymond. They would have had two great off-ball weapons, obviously, with Steph and Clay. That would have been fun. But I think this season showed with Curry having the MVP type season he had, and with Wiseman's development probably coming on slower than we would have thought you'd have to think can they really expect a giant leap from Wiseman to match the time how long does Steph have left is the question it's a legitimate question he could you think Steph leaves no I don't think Steph leaves I think he's going to be a warrior for life I really do think that matters to him I think that matters to him and Dame I don't know why it would matter to Bradley Beal in Washington but it does so no. I guess I respect it. But I think for got those two point guards in particular, those two guys who are probably going to be first team All-NBA, I'd imagine being with the same team with a fan base like that matters. Do you think he Fair. leaves? I, I, I have it up in the air. I think it depends on how this next season goes. There could be a, like, like a Charlotte play down the road. I could see that. Yeah. I, well, I, th- I think like even... Obviously like the... <laughs> Obviously, the Lakers stuff is like overblown. I think that's a little like uh, that's a little uh, optimistic and like overdrawn. But I think like if the Warriors get all their pieces back, so they get they get Clay back and they rebuild the roster, they retune a little bit, and they are still a mid to bottom tier West Conference team. I don't know if he thinks like I'm gonna stay here the rest of like four or five years left here. See the way I, the way the teams look to me if. Clay came back. I could see the Warriors having a better. I could have the Warriors would. I would have taken them over Portland. I would have taken them over Dallas. I they would have been in the the three to five range to me because I think the Warriors were thirty six and twenty seven when Steph played. Like that's in the Western Conference. Yeah. That's nothing to sniff at, and or you know turn your nose up at. And you know Clay might not be the same, but he's still going to be that same. 
heat check knockdown shooter. It, we'll see how he looks defensively, obviously, but with him coming back, man, I I just really enjoyed this step season. And I I was on a one of my other Blue Wire Hustle colleagues uh, podcast, the uh, There's a Lot Going On podcast, and we had to pick upsets. I don't believe this upset, so you could just take what I say right now with a grain of salt. The upset I want to see is if the Warriors do lose to the Lakers, which I expect them to, unless Steph just has one game where he gets nuclear. I want to see the Warriors upset the Jazz. Yes! I want it. I I want to see it. I want to see Steph annihilate the Jazz. I want to see him rain down threes on the entire state of Utah. I want to make, I want to see the Warriors make John Hollinger regret putting Rudy f- fucking Gobert as your second <laughs> MVP that candidate. Was ridiculous, by the way. That was ridiculous. anybody who has Rudy Gobert anywhere near the top four, top five of your MVP candidates is nuts. Any but if Rudy Gobert is higher than your second team center. That's nuts. Like I understand, I because one of the only players that plays center still. Like I understand. Yes, Utah's entire system is built around Rudy Gobert being amazing defensively. His offense is built around the fact that he's a nasty screener. He is not an MVP candidate. I am sorry. That is just Donovan Mitchell's the best player on that team. Rudy Gobert definitely brings value, the most value probably to the jazz, but Donovan Mitchell's their best player. And he is not a top two MVP candidate. He's not. That's how I feel. That's how I feel about the Chris Paul debate too, where I think Chris Paul is more important to the Suns, but he's not their best player. And so like, it's for me, it's hard to debate like MVP status when you're not the best player in your team. Yeah. Like you can be the most important, but it's hard to debate like when Devin Booker is the more the best player on your team. It's hard to debate that Chris Paul is the MVP when he's not the best but the most important. You know what it's, I mean? Especially especially because like it'd be one thing if, you know, if Gobert like upped his scoring a little bit more and, you know, wasn't as much of a liability in space. I do think it's overblown kind of, but uh, the criticism's valid. Um, and you know, maybe he does up some parts of his game to make him better than Mitchell while also bringing all that value, but get out of here with go bear being first team, all NBA. I'm glad Hollinger doesn't have a vote. Uh, it, otherwise it would have been re- I it, Sixer fans would have really been livid, but like putting go bear first team center and then second on your MVP. I'm sorry. That's too much for me. That's like the classic analytics guy trying to really try to sound smarter than everybody else and it's just like all right nah like that that's i'm sorry <laughs> but yeah, enough no, about me uh, but you know i forgot you you're working with uh, the jazz in some capacity so i don't want to do too much jazz slander. <laughs> the jazz the jazz uh 2k jazz gaming team is nowhere near association with this with the with my slander of the <laughs> basketball team, <laughs> I was afraid that the jazz slander would be would dissipate on the BOV. Oh, absolutely not! No way. That's the contract, baby. I can still slander the jazz all I want. So then, so no, I I completely agree with you that like watching because especially with the way Donovan Mitchell has kind of ended his season as uh, injury ridden and hobbled as as he has been the last couple of weeks. Yeah, or, or month. Now. Yeah, because that ankle injury was that ankle yeah. turn was bad against the Pacers. That and, was a... and again, all, ankle injuries are are usually pretty lingering. Mm-hmm. So you know, if he can't go, I, 
who I don't know what's gonna happen with them trying to guard Steph. Like no one can guard Steph. Yeah. But at like at the same time, you have a team like the Lakers who do a pretty good job of not stopping him or you know, at least doing the best job they can because they have so many guards to defensive like good defensive guards to throw at him. Yep. I don't know how many how many people the Jazz have to throw at him. They probably have more like See, the, if the Jazz had faced the Lakers, that the size on the perimeter would have been my huge question because aside from Royce O'Neal, are you going to throw Boyan Bogdanovich on LeBron? Uh, yeah. This is not the 2018 Pacers-Cavs series where everyone was like, oh, Bo- Boyan actually kind of defended LeBron well while LeBron averaged like 35, 11, and whatever he did. <laughs> um, yeah. you, they, like, they are, the only like-sized players they have are Niang, Ingles, Bogdanovich, like they, they, those guys aren't stopping LeBron. I think the Jazz have a bit more to throw at Steph just because of the size, but no one's stopping Steph. Like, th- yeah, Steph is inc- has been incredible all year, and I would just love to. I would just love to see enough uh, an upset of that. I'm not. I wouldn't bet my money on it happening, but we'll I would just love to see the Warriors well, upset the Jazz. The comparison to the We Believe team need to stop. This, yeah, it's not the same thing. It's not the it, same it, thing because it's not the same. because those are like Draymond said, they won championships. Yes. <laughs> like those Steph and Draymond have are three time champions. Also, yes. there was a lot more tougher dudes on that we believe team. Also happy. This this Warriors team is more like skilled and it's just Steph getting real hot. Yeah. At, and where the We Believe team was like the grinded out, like we're gonna kick your ass, beat your ass, kinda yeah. like Look at look at the people on that team. Yeah, Matt yeah Matt Barnes, yeah Baron David, Stephen Jackson, Monte had, Ellis, uh, Al Harrington. Yeah, you, like, you had like you had like thugs on that team. You, you had dudes that were like that you, like yeah. I don't you, see you, you, like, you do you not get, yeah. That's your that's they oh if you had to make like a bring your if you had to make a bring your you like an all NBA bring these people to a dark alley with you team. Like three of those guys from the We Believe team are definitely on my <laughs> my Absolutely. list. And they 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 literally punked the Mavs that entire series. That's how mm. they won. Yeah, they got up in Dirk's jersey because they they would not give him an inch on the block. And then, Absolutely. by the way, low key, what if Baron Davis? If he didn't have his injuries, he would have been one of the nastiest point guards of all time. He would have been a Hall of Famer. I, he was that good. Like Baron Yo, Davis Baron, was legit. Baron Davis was a beast. And then he went to the Clippers and was like. <laughs> Not not great. Yeah, and then he had his patella tendon injury. I think with the uh, when he joined the Knicks, and it, it Baron Davis w- is a big what if. But uh, what a, what about you? So you obviously watched you know teams try to avoid your team, the Lakers, and the possible matchups. Um, what were your takeaway? What what was like your big takeaways as we head into? The play in and the playoffs. So I might have been one of the few people. I actually wanted the seventh seed. Okay. I wanted the play because I want that. I obviously we're getting healthy now, and and LeBron looks like LeBron. AD starting to look like AD. Um, this is probably the healthiest we've been all season, so I'm pretty happy about that. I think I want another tune-up game against the Warriors, which I think is a pretty. I don't want to say easy because Steph's. Steph could go off and do anything he wants at any point in time. But I think, like, again, I think it's, I think the Warriors are as, 
as as easy a game as you can hope for in this kind of scenario. Um, just given the matchups and the way everything works out. Yep. And so, you know, I think that's a pretty kind of walkthrough, um, not layup of a game, but like a good warm up game for them to like kind of ramp into the playoffs. And I think the Suns are better. I even though I still think the Suns are the second best team in the West, I still I think that they are probably the Lakers' best matchup. That's, that's gonna, a nightmare you know, for the Suns. They don't yeah. want the Lakers in the first no, round. Absolutely not. And so, you know, I again I think the Suns are the second best team in the West, but I think they are they're, the Lakers do match up against them the best, mm-hmm. where I think the Lakers have an advantage in almost every scenario. Right. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, when you look at the way the teams are structured, yeah, I'd rather play the Suns than the Nuggets or the Clippers in round one. Yeah. And, and, and you uh, know, to me, I was like, yeah, let's get the seven, warm up against the Warriors, and then go into the Sun series and get, a, get an easy 4-1 or 4-0. And then rest up for whatever comes next. You think it'd be four one or four zero in a matchup yeah. with the Suns? You know, yeah. I I could see that because when I look at the Suns, they beyond Aiton, they ha- they really don't have They're... anybody that could check Anthony Davis or the contend with the Lakers' size on the front line, really. And no. on top of that, Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder as you know, as integral as they have been to the Suns and their defense all year, they're not going to stop LeBron. Torrey Craig also isn't going to stop LeBron. And it's, it, this was, I feel bad for Suns fans because I have been in on the Suns. You know, my Devin Booker standum. And I was, you know, we're both, we were both really in on the Suns. This, I feel bad for them because they are getting the worst possible matchup for the they are they better turn into warriors fans uh tomorrow or yeah no on wednesday they better turn into warriors fans on wednesday and hope that steph drops like 50 and draymond has like 10 blocks and 10 steals because if the lakers play the suns i really don't see how i think it would probably be be i think it would probably be five five or six but the lakers are just the better team at that point also, yeah. well, there could be a chance that, you know, the Lakers could still be gelling, which is also kind of weird why teams were avoiding the Lakers. I think yeah. you might have retweeted it or something, but it, the Lakers are still trying to, you know, gel together. Like, there was a reason they played deep into the fourth quarter yesterday with LeBron and Anthony Davis, and Lakers fans had to have a heart attack when LeBron stepped on, uh, oh. I think, Najee Harris's foot. Um, but. PD, like, please get him out. But yeah, but there was a he reason. Wants, there was a reason they were playing late into the fourth quarter, though. They were trying to get reps because they haven't really played together that much, you know, since LeBron and Anthony Davis have come back from their injuries, and uh, and LeBron also missed like a few more games after he initially came back. But yeah. I would want to play the Lakers early as opposed to catching them in the Western Conference. But I get it. It would have been a disaster for the Clippers if, you know, they got knocked out by the Lakers in round one. So, you know, they were scared. Um, but the uh, this is just a bad matchup for the Suns. I think the Suns actually got the uh, crap end of the stick on this one. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel really bad for them because, again, I, we've both been in on them since the beginning of the season. My, my thing is, oh, is the thing where – the Lakers are starting to get scary where LeBron looks like LeBron, AD looks like AD, but also like guys like Andre Drummond, 
Andre Drummond's really starting to figure out where he belongs and like what he's doing. What he's doing. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched, but he's starting to like really understand his position in the dunker spot. Yeah. I've yeah, and he's noticed like when to cut, when not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow LeBron whenever they he sets a pick. Like you know, he's clever at kind of like finding the spaces to f- trail behind LeBron so he can get an you offensive know, he's rebound. A former All Star player, like he understands. He's a he's a high IQ basketball player and he's smart. And he's starting to figure out where he belongs, like what he's good at. And then also Vogel's starting to realize like the power of having Marc Gasol out there with everyone too. Yeah. And I like, would still ultimately play Marc Gasol over Drummond, but <laughs> would I. But I mean, I think I think if Drummond starts to understand his role a lot better, which he has, I think he's gonna be a more he's he's proving himself to be more and more valuable as he figures it out. Yeah. So again, just with more time, they're gonna get scarier. Um if, right. again if given the if given health given health as a constant, I think that they're gonna be scary and scarier and think like you wanna pick them up early. But I totally understand where they're coming from in terms of wanting to avoid and and uh, and kind of try to try to avoid them as much as possible. Um but yeah, I think so looking at the West, do you think the Grizzlies and the Spurs have a chance at all? No, right? To win the yeah. next playing game? No, I don't. So it's Warriors Lakers, right? I think it's Warriors or yeah, I think it's Warriors eighth seed, Lakers seventh seed. Um, I think the Grizzlies have an outside chance to beat the Warriors in a play-in game more than anything, but the Spurs no. Um, and with the Grizzlies, I just if you saw how they played John Morant yesterday, they had no respect for his outside game whatsoever. And also, they're still trying to you know get Jaron Jackson integrated back into the mix. So the lineup decisions will be interesting there in a, you know, win or go home type of scenario. Um, I think the Grizzlies will beat the Spurs, even though I think it'll be closer than maybe the record and seeding suggests because they're both really young. They have talented players. And I just think in those type of win all scenarios, you can't really, it's not like a series where you could see how matchups will play out as a series would evolve. I think in a one-game scenario, it gets a little bit more dicey. But I see the Grizzlies beating the Spurs, and I see the Warriors beating the Grizzlies, and they end up being the eighth seed ultimately. Um, same for – and, yeah, I just don't – I don't see it any other way being 2-7 or 2-8 Lakers and a Warriors. Yeah, totally agree with you there. I think looking at the East, it's a little more – uh interesting east is east is interesting because i could eat (laughs) i could see the hornets making it in the playoffs here (laughs) that's what so i so this is what i said yesterday so this is what i said on the talgo podcast you guys should check it out put it up on my twitter um i know the hornets they're probably not going to have hayward and honestly i thought hayward would have been back by now which is kind of why i said yesterday why i said this yesterday but i think the hornets could beat the Pacers. Um, the Pacers have been falling apart at the seams, it, it seems like, with their coaching stuff. Um, their defense has not been good at all. And I know the Hornets, you know, they're, you know, they've lost five in a row. They're not, they haven't really shown much offensively as of late. But I think they have enough talent to beat the Pacers. And I think in a one game, a one game scenario, I think they would, they, I think they could have a chance at upsetting one of Boston or Washington. Probably Boston because I actually think the Celtics are going to I think get, they're trash. I think they're going to get destroyed by Washington. Yeah, with the with the Jalen Brown injury, 
um that's just that that's a death sentence for boston they were already you know not that good anyway as compared to years past um the wizards have been set they're 17 and 9 in their last 21 games and are actually average defensively and of course they are a high scoring team offensively with westbrook playing out of his goddamn mind um so i i see the wizards beating the celtics but in that next playing game i could see and obviously jason tatum going off with standing i could see the hornets upsetting the celtics here yeah definitely like and also i i wanted to say this i wanted to make an observation about you know my team the sixers there is now no excuse for this team not to be in the conference finals none like the the knicks beat the red main (laughs) they beat they uh people were joking yesterday calling the lineup that the celtics put out against the knicks yesterday as the red the main red claws their g league team which was basically it and the knicks almost lost that game which you know scared me a little bit but i the teams i did not want to face in my ranked order was miami 1a milwaukee 1b and the nets 2 um and Miami is now on the other side of the bracket. And so the Sixers will either get to play one of whoever the eighth seed is. That should be a series. That should be a series, easy series win. And then they play whoever wins the four five matchup between the Hawks and the Knicks. There is no excuse. They, they worked all year to get the number one seed so they could have an opportunity like this. The path to the conference finals is clear. Milwaukee, and Brooklyn have the tougher paths. They're probably going to maul each other in the second round, and so the Sixers will get um, whoever whatever, comes out of that. Whatever team left. Yeah, exactly. And basically, if the Sixers don't make the conference finals, it is a failure and because uh, they're better than whoever they're going to play in the next two rounds. And uh, I'm excited. The process worked. Everybody needs to shut up. I have watched mediocre teams my entire life. Uh, since out, definitely since Allen Iverson got traded, they they are the number one seed for the first time since I was nine years old in two thousand and one, and because it's because we have an MVP level player like Joel Embiid, the process worked, and I am very ecstatic. That that is the all that is the other reason I came into this podcast with energy today, Chris. My Sixers were able to get the number one seed has been a culmination of a few things. I've seen more 50-win teams in this era than I have had at any point in my life besides that one season with Allen Iverson in 2001. And we're here now. And so there's no excuse. Get to the conference finals. Hey, Jordan, what happened in 2001, though? Yeah, well, you you guys had this dude named Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal who stuck, you know, Hey, you know, maybe it'll come, you know, a few of my Laker fans joked about this on when I posted it on Instagram, but, you know, it'll come back full circle. The Sixers will play the Lakers in the NBA finals, and instead of Shaq stuffing Matumbo in the basket, it'll be Embiid stuffing AD in the basket. So it's all good. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm, I'm in for this matchup because that this matchup would make this podcast very exciting. Yes, it would. It, it would be very tense too. Cause I, 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 if the Sixers win the championship, all of process Twitter, people who were pro process, pro hinky, every national media member who had awful takes about the process over the years better just run into hiding or deactivate their account. 
<laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. This breaking news on Twitter. I'm just scrolling right now. I just took a look. Uh, Luke sources say Luke Walton will retain his job. Uh, no, for I'm next so- year. I, I am sorry, Sacramento. I uh, huh? I, How I, does this happen? I I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sacramento. This this team had two different not nine game losing streaks <laughs> this season. Uh, Dave Yeager won 39 games with a team that was not as talented as la- these last two years. Yeah, I uh, okay. We'll just we'll just leave that. Kings fans are their their souls just left their body. Uh, okay, I feel bad, but whatever. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's just go I back to the let's go back to the playoff teams. <laughs> well, so, so going back to Twitter before we even go back to the playoff teams. Uh, did you see the stuff going on today with Kwame Brown? Yeah. I, I <laughs> haven't seen the full rant yet, but I don't know if you saw it. This started on uh, All on the all Smoke. Smoke. Yeah, on All yeah. the Smoke. So, the Gilbert Arenas episode was great, by the way. I love yeah. anything Gilbert's on. Um, so, for anyone that doesn't know, the All the Smoke had Gilbert Arenas on, and they started talking about Kwame Brown. And Gilbert, he paid... What I thought was like kind of a backhanded compliment, but compliment nonetheless to to Kwame Brown. Uh, I think the the term he used was show pony, where he had all the physical tools and all of the like the look and the physical attributes, but he couldn't ever put it together or like wasn't you know he he was never competent enough to put it together. Um, mm-hmm. He said you you would see flashes of it and you would see kind of the the. Every once in a while, you'd see a little bit of it, but he could never just put it together. And I think that's true. I think like that's why he had such a long career versus like someone where you look at someone like Anthony Bennett, who probably should never have been there in the first place. Former six are great, Kwame Brown. <laughs> so you know, and then Kwame shot back today with a lot of uh, with a big rant and uh, a lot of things that weren't basketball related. Just kind of went after people and was kind of mean spirited, not mean spirited, but just sort of like oddly aggressive i think he no, i i don't know if it's oddly aggressive i think he's just got tired of it because um you know the way kwame brown sounded he just sounded like one of those ogs that i don't think he was saying this to you know um get back in the spotlight or whatever i really think where he's from he wants to fight those dudes because they are they were playing with his name um or he felt like they were playing with his name uh right i think guilt I think also you in that all the smoke episode, Gilbert also mentioned how Michael Jordan drafted Kwame Brown and then ended up being his teammate, and that also had an impact on him because it's we all know how Michael Jordan is with right. with players and how you know not mean spirited, but it could definitely it's come not- off that way because it's Michael Jordan. He is a psycho. Yeah. He's competitive. He'll talk shit to his players and all that stuff and that on as a seven for a 17 year old 18 year old kid i could definitely still see gilbert's point i think what happened was i think there was another all the smoke episode where matt and steven jackson talked about kwame brown and i think gilbert tried to defend him um in in this episode and i think kwame just got tired of it I, like they, he went after Gilbert, and I was like, "Well, I think Gilbert was actually the mo- the nicest one to you." Yeah, he tried to. De- yeah, he tried to defend Gilbert. Like, but I really do think Kwame Brown like meant what he said. Like, <laughs> like calling Stephen Jackson like a fake gangster and all that stuff. And say, I think what he called Matt Barnes Becky with pretty hair. Um, yeah, he was a he. I this this I don't know if it was 
it was definitely aggressive, but it was one of those like, look, I'm tired of these people playing with me. Like, th- like where I'm from, like, and the reputation I have, and even Gilbert Arenas, I think, commented on Kwame's uh, live Instagram when he went on, and he was like, look, everything Kwame says about himself in terms of like, you know, fighting and all that stuff was based. He was basically like, that's true. I don't want no smoke. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like. <laughs> And it was just, it was it was really weird to I haven't seen the whole rant or the multiple videos he's had since then but like the main rant where it was like an hour and 20 or whatever it was I haven't seen that yet but it was a uh, it seems like uh we're 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 definitely learning some stuff about Kwame like not that it's not good or bad stuff just like you know what he was about where he's from and all that stuff cuz uh I don't if if I imagine if it was any other player cuz players have gone at steven jackson before like for off the court criticisms and jack will fire back with like you don't want this or whatever um and then when kwame did it it was uh oh we're not gonna have you on our show and stuff like that so it's like they it seems like nobody wants smoke with kwame brown is what i'm trying to say as much as we like to make all the bus jokes and all that stuff um doesn't seem like he's anyone to play with (laughs) i will say though as a laker fan cheering for Kobe Bryant for all those years. Yo, Kobe Brown was the most frustrating player to watch. Oh, I, oh yeah, for sure. I imagine. He's a top pick too. Like yeah, I've never seen a player like Kobe Brown where I just I wanted to throw my TV through the door every time. <laughs> he, like we I know we talk about <laughs> my favorite my favorite comment was do you watch the all the smoke where you're talking about it? Well, the were they the Kwame stuff? Gilbert's going through the whole thing about. Oh it. yeah, I watched that whole two hour. Like anything with Gilbert on it is. Line, and you can probably guess what it is. It's the it's the yeah he's big he's he's second fastest player on our team. Small hands though, so when he goes off, Dude, so when he goes, there. the ball's still there. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt Barnes was cr- the camera panned to Matt Barnes cracking up like thirty times in that episode just because Gilbert Bro. would say some crazy stuff. <laughs> That was like that was like the goat line. Like I've never yeah. heard that. that He's like, oh, he'll take off, but the ball's still there. <laughs> he'll he'll take off though. He'll he'll make it straight to the rim, but the ball will be right behind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you know, I don't. It was such a weird thing to wake up to because I went like, wow, where did this come from? From like, because it's like, not why like is he trending. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why is Kawhi trending? And then like. When he when he came out, I was like, maybe he's just sick of it. But at the same time, like, like this is the first time, dude. Like, he's people going out Kwame Brown all the time. Yeah. And this and apparently this was the uh, I guess when it's actual players, you know, talking about him and you know players that um, you know, invoke not invoke discussion in a way that Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson do. I get it. I guess that's the uh, that's the last straw. Like you know, media members, whatever. Like he really didn't. He went at Stephen A. Smith too in the video, but he's never really gone at Stephen A. Smith or any media members because you know, I guess players know that just comes with the territory. But when it's your peers, you know, saying stuff about you, that that must strike a different chord. I imagine. I would assume. I would assume so. So you know, I get it. I get like yeah, Kwame, you defend yourself. You you do your thing. But my thing was like, dude, Gilbert. I think I thought I felt like Gilbert yeah. was trying to defend. I thought Gilbert was defending him in, in his Gilbert Arenas way. So yeah. maybe, so maybe like 
he had a problem with like one or two things he said. Um, but Gilbert was like Gilbert's like comments about Kwame Brown were like in reaction to what Matt and Stack were saying. And yeah, like trying to justify, you know, like he's like, trying- hey, come on, guys! Like the dude was drafted out of high school. Michael Jordan drafted him. Like it's kind of easy to make that connection. What he was implying, you know, like it's not easy. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. I mean, uh, to me, it was the thing of like, cool, go at Jack and go at go at Matt Barnes. But like, hey, man, Gilbert, like, Gilbert, Gilbert was help- to- he was trying to help you out, man. Yeah, so it, that's where I was like, I was like, okay, I feel a little. I was like, I feel like you're just you're taking it out on everyone when like, you, there's someone here trying to trying to protect you, someone here trying to help. Yeah, but when, hey, but when you're pissed, everybody can get it. <laughs> that's very true. Um, I had a question for you out of uh for the uh playoffs um so the three six matchup in each conference i find both of these really interesting so i wanted to get your take on which one do you find the most interesting i want I, wa- I wanted to know what your answer is and what your and why why one series over the other okay so in so the so in the west I, we got the three six i think it's heat bucks same i i agree i think the heat are hot I think they're coming off solid wins. I think the, I think they're coming in. They're ready to go. I think the Bucks have a lot of weight on their shoulders not to lose again in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I think they're coming off of sort of, um, I don't want to say a down year because I mean they're still a top three team in the wet and the East. I you know I, I just think this is not nearly as dominant a season as they were the. I think they look better, but they're not nearly as dominant as they were last year. The record season. isn't as dominant. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I think there's a lot of things to prove on both sides. And I think it's going to be really interesting uh, to see how that, that kind of plays out. And I think they're very different in the way they approach um, their their setups and the way they, they, they play the game. Um, but yeah, I think... I think I think the Nuggets are gonna blow through the Trailblazers. <laughs> yeah, there so there is a few there are a few people who think the Blazers could upset the Nuggets, and I'm just like, if Dame averages fifty, sure, but like, the Nuggets should beat up the Blazers. I think pretty handily. They don't have anyone to check Jokic. They still have scoring even without Jamal Murray to handle the Blazers, and I think the Nuggets are a, better defensively, obviously, but like. No, I don't see that being a series. Um, the Bucks one—that's the most interesting one. I I want to watch outside of obviously my team because obviously this was the team that eliminated or Miami was the team that eliminated the Bucks last year um, in the second round. Um, you could attribute that to circumstances, but matchup I think was the big thing. Um, I want to see if all the Bucks experimentation in the season, the stuff Giannis has added to his game, and Third and most importantly, and why I actually put the Bucks behind the Heat as the team that I don't want to face the most, is because I want to see if Mike Budenholzer can actually make some damn adjustments and get out of his old ways. I think in terms of just matchup on the court-wise, I don't think the Heat have the same personnel to mimic the wall that they that they were successful with in the playoffs. Also, I think the Bucks have different personnel and run different things now to make the wall more ineffective because the wall was basically, if you, the wall was basically built to stop Giannis, the plate, the guy at the top of the key, every, every possession player, not 
Giannis, the guy that's being used more all over the floor player. Um, and the reason they can do that now is because they have Drew Holiday, who is 100,000% not Eric Bledsoe. Um, so, that's, sorry, what? I said that's the bonus. That's the that's the fix. That's the big fix right there because they can do the wall stuff. Okay, Giannis can do a dribble handoff with Drew Holiday, and so that makes their that makes the defense where the center guards Giannis less ineffective. It makes the wall setup less ineffective because they have multiple ball handlers now with Middleton and Holiday that are threats off the dribble that could that the Heat have to worry about. Um, and I just think the Bucks can run different stuff, but I think Eric Spolstra is a way better coach than Mike Budenholzer. I think Jimmy and Bam are obviously they're well, depending on who's voting, some will, will make both of them will make all NBA teams for some one will make one, one will make an all NBA team over the other, whatever it is. Um, the heat are hot, but I don't think they're the same necessarily. I think Crowder, the not having Crowder um, takes away like their person from their personnel to be able to build up the wall. Iguodala is a year older. Goran Dragic has not been good this season, except, you know, for these last couple weeks of the season, Duncan Robinson, who was an all-time great shooter last year, had an all-time great shooting season. Not the same. Tyler Hero, not the same. Um, and honestly, expectedly so, because I thought he got way too much hype coming out of the bubble. Um, basically, what I'm saying is I think the Bucks have no excuse. I think they should win this series. I think it should be a 4-1, 4-2 series. But they have, the, they have better personnel. They have experimented with different schemes all season and if Mike Budenholzer doesn't adjust and the Bucks lose there needs to be a shakeup. Mike needs to be fired at, at the very least um maybe look to trade one of you know, not trade one of the big three but maybe look at Middleton deals I know that's probably going to be an option the Bucks will maybe go down to uh if they get an early exit because a shakeup needs to happen because there's no way I don't think this Heat team is as good as it was last year as much as I don't want to face them because I think the Sixers' offensive flaws play right into the Heat's hands is the main reason why. Um, I don't think, as talent-wise, the Heat are as good as last year, even with the leaps Bam and Jimmy have made this year. Um, so this should be – it's going to be interesting. We get to see what the Bucks are made of early, and I'm kind of excited to watch it. Yeah, completely agree with you there. Um, so uh, I'm see so, how I'm see where exactly like I don't know how to put this like I'm excited to see exactly like if they do lose how how the Bucks react. Yeah, because like to me I, again I I actually favor the Heat in this matchup like pretty heavily, and again it goes back to things that you talked about too like not trusting Coach Bud and like. Uh, the the lack of uh, adjustments in the playoffs and, and just sort of their record and the way that they've handled themselves and the way that they've handled themselves in the playoffs. I'm curious how they adjust from here because they've this season was clearly like a let's go all in from yeah. them getting from them signing Giannis the big extension for them getting uh, Drew Holiday and then trying for, for Bogdan and didn't get him like all these moves to me speak of like okay management's all in now. Yep. Like, yes, they let, they let Brogdon go, which is, like, a mistake. And, like, they weren't ready to commit Absolutely. then. Absolutely. 
like now now's the time right like here we go like money yeah. where your mouth is yeah. and if they're not able to do it this year like what is the next move like now now they're now they're kind of hamstrung now they have to make moves like it's not e- it's not as easy as just signing pieces now or yeah. trading picks. so now what do you do mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, and and to be honest i think this is true of the bucks anyway because i don't see them winning a championship so what do they do in the offseason anyway? I mean, losing in the first round is horrible. Like that's that's DefCon one. That's DefCon yeah. five. <laughs> but at the same time, like what, like what do they do? And I think that 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 everything that you're bringing up of like things that they should explore, I think that's all true and fascinating. It's just a matter of I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where they go. Yeah, is all. Yeah, they're like if like i yeah like i said if they get out in the first round that, that's going to be the big thing i want to see what they do um i also forgot to mention uh they could also they also uh with i think with the pj tucker signing the bucks can go to Giannis at center way more often and it will actually like work versatile versatile uh in terms of you know adding more versatility to that line to a Giannis center only lineup um so they they definitely you'll have to see who you can close with whether it's with Divincenzo who has been really up and down this year or God forbid Pat Connaughton but probably Bryn Forbes has been their their best bench player or you can even go with Bobby Bobby Portis I just think while they Man, might all these names and I go I don't like any of these in a closing lineup yeah but. yeah but they've been. But the thing is, like, they've been good this year. So I want to see if that continues also. That's – they just – they have questions that need answering. Um, I think they should beat this Heat team. Uh, but that's why, you know, we're – that's why we both picked this series as the most fascinating to watch out of – I think the Nuggets-Blazers, that's a – to me, that's a non-starter. And I know the Blazers are, you know, getting healthy at the right time. They finally figured out some stuff the last week and a half, two weeks. Um, but – how many times are the Blazers going to be the team, the low seed team that no one wants to see? How many times are they going to hear that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm I'm How not many... I'm not in on the Blazers. Like I'm just not. No, because I hear that every year. Every year I hear, yo, the Blazers aren't your normal low seed. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then they just get rocked by whatever team they play, and I go, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um the only year that the only year where it came true was when they made the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, but that's one year out yeah, of the exactly. I've heard this so far. Hey, the Blazers aren't your average six six, seven, eight seed. Okay. Like there is no way the Nuggets are losing in the first round, even without Jamal Murray. Like I no, they've been they, good they, Jamal Murray. they have been, but I do worry that like as they get deeper into the playoffs that's Jamal Murray and Jokic's two-man game was just such a big part of their offense that they could run so many other things out of that that I mean, it's, it's not, like taking out the tree trunk to the trees Jokic, this Jokic uh Aaron Gordon pick and roll with with Porter and around the side which is kind of scary um, yeah they definitely they still have a lot of talent they're like Porter has been absolutely spectacular since uh murray went down i think he's averaging like 26 points per game since murray went down um it's just that that man that two-man game and murray was their best uh you know 
He's he was their best guard from the perimeter in terms of the dribble drive, and they just know each other so well that yeah. that like they've played together for so long now that they just know what each other is going to do. And Malone was able to build stuff off of that, but they they still have Porter Jr. They still have Gordon. I love Faku Campazo. Um, not because the fu- the name is fun to say, but he's a really good he's a really good player. Um, for <laughs> he's a I made the joke uh, the other day that he was a super senior <laughs> in terms of a rookie <laughs> being a rookie because he's twenty nine. Um, yeah. But he's played a bunch of you know he's played a bunch of professional players overseas and um, but they still have talent. It's just that they're not. But they have way more than enough to beat the Blazers. Like nobody's gonna stop Jokic. Um, and the Blazers are going to allow 10 million bajillion points because their defense is terrible. And the Nuggets are not so terrible on the defensive end. So it, I, I think the Nuggets win that series in probably five. But the other three six matchups way more interesting to me. Yeah, I don't think it's close. Yeah, it's not. No, it's not. We might get a few high-scoring games in the Nuggets-Blazers series for sure, but in terms of like series like 4-1 like that's probably right about that sounds about right yeah it's uh i think that's pretty cut and dry there mm-hmm. but you know you could prove me wrong yeah we we don't we we have no problem admitting when we're wrong but i mean just looking at the surface level i don't see this doing very much they won so many games this year with because dame was just absolutely spectacular in the clutch it's it was almost it's like obviously he sustained it throughout the year but it was such an unsustainable way of winning um and obviously they had to play like that because of injuries and stuff like that but that is just such a hard way to win a bunch of games man like you got it you got to get stops at some point and just give it to one guy and hope he does something yeah and like and, you know, C.J. McCollum's obviously back to help alleviate some of that, but they still got to play on the other end of the floor, man. And I just don't see them stopping the Nuggets at all. Like, at all. Yeah, it's a uh, little yikes. But yeah. we'll see. The fun one we'll I see. do want to watch, though, is I like the Knicks-Hawks. I, I low-key like the Knicks-Hawks matchup <laughs> also. Like, that's just, that that series, it, it's like a... It's like the series of old school coaches that are back, <laughs> you know, Tom Thibodeau, Nate McMillan, bringing baseline level competence to their to the rosters that they have. And both of them were just on fire post All-Star break. And uh, this matchup is going to be interesting it, for sure, because the Knicks still have they, it's kind of a clogged toilet offense still, but they have a really great defense and. As far as the Hawks go, they've actually been middle of the road defensively since the All-Star break, but also a top 10 offense, which is usually I'm not going to call them a contender, but if you're if if you're talking about like contending or going making a deep playoff run, being middle of the road in defense and being top 10 in offense or being top 10 in both, that's usually that's a great starting foundation to have. Uh, but I I'm really fascinated by that matchup. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think I think that I think that matchup's a ton of fun, and it could be interesting to watch. 
Uh, I think the Clippers Mavs series could be interesting to watch too. <laughs> eh, I'm not. I'm not so sure about that one. I think the Mavericks are just gonna get. They're just gonna get railroaded out of the playoffs. I think. I think Luca wants to prove a point again. Yeah, he I did. Think, pro- he did prove a point in the series last year. He, he won two games, but I think he wants to prove he can do it again. I think he wants to prove it wasn't a fluke. That he can win two games, because that's all I see the Mavs winning in this series, man. <laughs> the Clippers wanted the Mavericks. I, I they still, wanted this I, team. I still think that if Kristaps was fully healthy, and if even if Kristaps wasn't fully healthy, if Luka didn't t- turn his ankle, I still think the, the Mavs pulled that series up last year. No, I don't. I I I don't think so. I like that. the The thing with that is. Yeah, you could say, okay, you could put Kawhi and, and Luka, or you could put Kawhi and Paul George alternating on Luka, but they still have the other guys that need to win, right? Or that need to, you know, they need to be effective. And outside of Jalen Brunson and Chris Stapps, like, they have a bunch, they have nice role players, but Josh Richardson is erratic as hell. Um, Maxi. Maxi Kleba and Dwight Powell really don't move the needle that much when it comes to matching the talent of the Clippers. Just, Luka has to be spectacular, like averaging like averaging like 35, 11, and 11 on like 66% or true shooting percentage for them to even have a chance to pull this series out. I just, I don't see it. Um, I think this Clippers team is... They have found a way to diversify their offensive portfolio. Over the last month, they're not taking as many jumpers as as they were when we were kind of like, okay, the Clippers are just a jump-shooting team. Um, still would like to see the free throws go up a little bit, but it's been going up. I just think they are I – just, I just think they're uh, they're clearly the better team, and I just – I don't – I don't see it as much like the four five and the three six matchup in the Eastern conference is more interesting than the Western conference, the Western conference series. They could have potentials for high scoring games, but as far as series length, I don't know, man might have to move to the second round for in the Western conference for that one <laughs> for more longer series. Three Western conference is more straightforward, but it has some fun potential upset matchups. Like, like, like the Warriors over the Jazz matchup. Yeah, I be. want that to happen so bad, <laughs> so bad. Imagine how hard we're gonna pop off if that happens. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna have if if the if the Jazz get booted out of the first round, I might just move Gobert to the top of my MVP list. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, make a have Rudy Gobert win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, so we can uh, celebrate the trophies in a locker room, <laughs> like Dirk did when he won his MVP in 07. <laughs> after he got after they got eliminated by the Warriors. Oh wait, no, they don't. I forgot they have that stupid award show now, so they can't really do that. You can't have that anymore. Yeah. But still, it would be hilarious. I just, I want that upset to happen, and I think the Warriors could take a few games off the Jazz. I will say that I do think that could absolutely happen. Yeah, hundred percent. So i I think the playoffs are pretty well set. Do you have anything to say about these teams? The a postmortem for any teams that didn't make it? 
postmortem for teams that didn't make it. Um, I, I do, there was an interesting article. I can't remember where it was. I think it might have been on Yahoo Sports about the Pistons. Did you see this article? No, I did not. I'm a, uh, let, me, what, what was let me find an article to attribute the uh, attribute the author here because I thought it was an interesting read. Um, was it Vincent Goodwill? Yeah. Uh, wait, was it? Was it this one? Oh, here it is. Okay, so yeah. So, no, it was uh, Noah Trister. And it was on Yahoo Sports. And it was the the, the uh, article says, Pistons finished near the bottom but have reasons for optimism. Is sort of the uh, idea here. And the, the general idea is that, like, hey, they tanked. But they did it in a unique and uh, positive way. Which is something that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that usually when you tank, your roster is absolute trash. Yep. But when you look at the Pistons roster, they have a there's a lot of room there for like good stuff because they have Jeremy Grant, who is who they list here as a center. They have some good and interesting young players, man. Yeah. Like so, you know, I I like I know you like Killian Hayes. I like Sadiq Bay quite. I like I like Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart. Is becoming more than a rough and tough, you know, rugged big. That I even I even before that I liked him as a rookie, but now he's starting to like do more stuff, like shoot yeah. threes, switch out more, handle the ball a little bit. They have interesting pieces, man. Yeah, so like when you look at them, and then they still have they still have Dumboya there too, and like I still think he's a fascinating like building block. I don't know who's he hasn't played develop. as much in, as last year, but he is still an interesting talent for sure. Yeah, I just like the physical attributes. I think that you look at him the same way you look at like young Giannis, where you're like, man, this guy has like physical tools where he could be something. Yeah. But anyway, and then like Killian Hayes, if he goes, if he gets healthy, I think he'd be really good too. So you look at you look at Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, um, Jeremy Grant, and I guess you throw Demboya in there. They have an interesting enough roster where you go, yeah, this roster is actually pretty promising. And then they get a high draft pick, and you yeah. go, okay, they tanked. In a way where you're you're not like this team is a disaster. Yeah, no, I I I uh, I agree with that. Um, another team that I had in mind, well, actually two teams I had in mind, the Oklahoma City Thunder. I am all in on Shea Gilgis Alexander, like being a superstar point guard for that franchise. I think it's incredible that the Thunder. The, the, he was the reason why I had a Thunder as a play-in team before the season started, and I knew that was optimistic compared to their season projection that everybody had for them. But they were a play-in team before they basically shut him down and decided to tank. Um, but we have to go back and look at our predictions from the beginning of this season. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go back and look so at my awful. yeah. We're gonna, I'm gonna have to listen. We're gonna have to listen to our two episodes <laughs> that we did because I'm sure well, we we had the Rockets really high. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had the Rockets as the ninth seed if they kept James Harden. But obviously, it, I didn't factor in the Harden trade because it didn't happen yet. But, you know, if we both knew if they traded Harden, they were going to be fucked. <laughs> so, well, I still, I remember I remember saying that even without Harden, I still liked them as a as like a mid-tier option because I liked John Wall. And I liked DeMarcus Cousins, and I thought that they could bounce back and have good seasons. 
Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, we're probably going to have a lot of wrong predictions uh, if we go back and listen to these episodes. Uh, the And the other one, speaking of being wrong, I am all in on Anthony Edwards. Just, I'm all in. He's not in. I know we had fears he might have been Wiggins 2.0. I think some of it was kind of maybe lazy on our parts comparing him to Wiggins. I just, I haven't seen someone at that size, height-wise and strength-wise, that can move like that, that can move in tight spaces like that, and can finish at the rim like that. Like, I think he has a baseline set of skills that I think he's going to be a good player at the very worst, but I believe in his work ethic. I believe in his attitude. I believe in his infectiousness as a teammate. Everybody loves this guy. And, you know, post-All-Star break, you know, the the dreaded pull-up three that we all knocked him for, um, I think we knocked more his shot selection more than anything as opposed to, uh, you know, his skills and his ability to do it. But since the All-Star break, he's shooting I – th- I think he was shooting 39% on pull-up threes. He was right behind Steph Curry um, since the All-Star break on pull-up threes. Um, I think um, with Chris Finch in as the head coach and not Ryan Saunders, I think he's been a little bit more creative offensively and how he uses cat uh, the wolves are 15 and 20 in their last 35 games. And these are playing in games that matter. Like these, as we saw towards the, towards the very last day of the season, these games matter. Uh, these games mattered. And the wolves looked like a competent NBA team. And that's without Malik Beasley, um, you know, serving that 12 game suspension. He had a really good year. D'Angelo Russell has maybe found a role coming off the bench, but I think that future is Cat and Edward or Cat and Ant. And uh, I'm I'm all in on Anthony Edwards. I'm just gonna say that right now. So here's my question to you: If they get a top three pick, they're not going to, which is the shitty thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, you never know. Yeah, true. You never know. Like, Odds are theoretic- theoretically, theoretically, they get a top three pick, and they get a. Like who do they pick? Because you, you say they get number one pick. Do, who do they pick? Cade. Cade doesn't. I don't think Cade fits. Because you you'd want the ball in Cade or Ant's hands. Like it would take the ball out of one of their hands. I don't think they're necessarily the strongest off ball play. Either one is necessarily the strongest off ball player. At least not yet. Mm-hmm. And then you take what Jalen Suggs. No, I would, I would still take Cade because I think he while. He is probably better with the ball in his hands, obviously. I think he has enough workable skills to be an off-ball player. Like, he's just sure. a smart basketball player. He can He's a ball mover. He can shoot. Um, Would you take Mobley to help offset some of the defensive concerns? For a cat? Um... That, would, guess, be, that like, would be interesting. I wouldn't be opposed to the Wolves taking Mobley and having a cat Mobley front court um might have some defensive concerns perimeter wise but Mobley has shown that he could be um you know a, an elite you know switchable big on that end of the floor um, that would be very interesting if you ran him at the four it it helps alleviate at least some of the rim protection concerns yeah it, it would it, it would help for sure I wouldn't be opposed to uh 
I wouldn't be opposed to Mobley uh, being picked by the Wolves if they ended up getting a top three pick. Um, I just think in terms of guard play, yeah, I know you just traded for Russell and Cat's your best friend. But to me, it's like, screw that. Just get, I think, an Ant and Cade backcourt is just so much better, has a higher ceiling, that I would just go with that. I feel so bad for D'Lo because he just can't find a home. Yeah. Well, there is also a, a reason for that because we saw yeah. what he looked like with the best, if he was the best player on a team. And that's a 42 win. 500 team in the Eastern Conference. I I agree with you because I like he because he definitely has some skills that could help a team. You know, like he like I said, he's come off the bench and has been playing really well for the Wolves. But I think the problem is like he has an ego where he doesn't want he has a certain role in mind for himself and he won't let himself yeah uh, do anything less and just makes and terrible think... decisions down the stretch too. Yeah. Like, there were games this year where Ant would have, like, 38, 40, and he's clearly rolling, like, getting to the rim, hitting threes, finding finding people on the drive, and then the last, like, two or three minutes of a Wolves game, it'll be Cat and D'Lo two-man game, and it's like, what are we doing here? Like, the, you're going to just ice out the guy who has been the reason you guys were in this game? Like... And you know my feelings on Cat. I'm just, I know every year the the Timberwolves are the spooky with two zeros in the in the let, in the in the word um, every year, but it, this seems a little bit different. I like Jaden McDaniel's too. I think he should be getting some consideration for all rookie defensive team or all rookie team because um, I just don't think rookies are that good at defense already that soon. There's been some good defenders in this draft class, by the way. Um, but Jaden McDaniels, um, I like a Kogi. I just like how Chris Finch has brought that team together. And you know my feelings on Cat. I think you can absolutely build a winning team around Cat. And I like that Chris Finch is finally putting him more at the elbow and stuff like that, because it cat's passing is just immaculate and it's been shown more with and with edwards there like to be, to be fair to be fair the thing with the warriors i think the biggest acquisition for the warriors is them having a new owner yeah i think that's going to be the biggest the biggest change for the, the timberwolves here and trying to figure <laughs> out like how it works on the on the weekend that kevin garnett got inducted into the hall of fame it, it just reminds you that wow, the Wolves really screwed this up. Like, they screwed it up. They they have two of the most talented bigs ever in their franchise's history, and they might just screw it up twice, you know? Like, Kevin Garnett was incredible. It was a great weekend for basketball, by the way. The WNBA season started. That was well underway. We'll end off the show with, with some Hall of Fame talk. So what did you think of Hall of Fame? What do I think of the Hall of Fame? Oh, no, what did you think of the weekend, of the Hall of Fame kind of weekend? So I still need to catch up on the speeches, but obviously Vanessa Bryant's speech was powerful and definitely um, definitely gave us more of an insight into Kobe, like the joke she had about Kobe looking down, smiling at her, giving a Hall of Fame speech, talking about Kobe. She mentioned that she didn't like to, you know, brag about Kobe in public because um, it was kind of like the – wife bringing down the husband to earth thing and yeah. uh then she was like 
uh, Kobe's probably looking down, smiling at me right now, talking about him in the most public place ever, saying, ain't this some shit? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty heartwarming. Um, I thought Kevin Garnett shouting out Tim Duncan personally at the end of his speech was really cool yeah. because those two are obviously going to be linked forever. Um, he was just like, the battles we had were epic, were nothing short of epic, and I appreciate like the way he was shouting him out. Um, still need to listen to the Tim Duncan one in full, but did the greatest Hall of Fame class ever. Yeah, and the thing that's crazy is like when you think about this class, right? It, it, I mean, it, yeah, all, I said it kind all, of open ended like a question, but it might be. Like, well, when you when you look at them, when you, you always think of like the the top three headliners, right? You think of like those three: um, Kobe, Garnett, Duncan, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And so then you look at Rudy Tomjanovich. Okay. <laughs> uh, you look at the other guys like Rudy Tomjanovich, uh, Tamika Kachians, yeah, like they're yeah, a great but class. You even look further. You look. You had Mike Wilbon down there. You have you have Mike Breen. Mike Breen. Yep. Uh, well, so you have you have the inside the NBA crew. Like it. It. Yeah. There. It was a great class, man. Um. It it might be the like it might be the best of all time. I'm trying to pull up the list of like past class, so I don't like have recency bias. But Kobe, Duncan, and Garnett, you literally cannot tell the history of basketball without those three guys by themselves. Yeah, but then you you add in the inside the NBA crew. You add in a Mike Wilbon. You add in a, a Mike, Mike Breen. Breen. Like you add. In... What's up? Yeah, Mike Breen. Yeah, you you're right. Yeah, Mike Breen. You add in all these other guys and, and all these other, you know, people, individuals that you go, wow, this class is insane. Mm-hmm. And so I I loved uh I don't know if, if you got a chance to watch obviously the speeches were on Saturday, but if you watch the Friday night one, uh they had a great sit down with um with Shaq Kenny and and uh or not Shaq Kenny, Shaq, Ernie and Chuck on the couch. Um talking about the show and talking about kind of their induction and being the first ones inducted with this new media uh, award and this new media inductee mm-hmm. award. Um, and that was a special thing to watch. Um, and I've never seen, I've never seen Charles get choked up before. Like you never, you ever think of Charles Barkley and think like that's an emotional dude. Right. Um, but like watching him get choked up and like, did you watch that? I didn't watch it. No, I didn't catch the Friday so, uh, stuff. I'll send that to you afterwards. It's it's a pretty powerful thing because he sits and he talks about Ernie, and they they asked him what Ernie means to you, and Chuck kind of gets um, emotional and he says that you know the I'll tell you a story and he says the thing that about Ernie it was like one one in the morning and Ernie never calls we used to always text or whatever and Ernie called me at one one two in the morning and he and he said I need to talk to you about something and so I said okay what and he said. As a 65-year-old man, white man, what can I do to help understand and help with this social justice stuff? Mm-hmm. And he said that they talked for a couple hours, and he said afterwards, Charles hung up the phone. He said that I felt so touched and so honored that he would call, and he felt compelled enough to call me at 2 in the morning to, th- to talk about this stuff because it's something that he felt he wanted to have a conversation about. And I think like that speaks to the relationship that those guys have and it speaks to like how much they care about each other and they care about kind of everything that's going on and how much they care about the NBA. And it's something that like, 
I, I know we've given them a lot of praise before, like being this entertainment and being, you know, important to the league. But like, I don't think like it's like the NBA is to me something that separates the NBA from like every other sports thing. Yeah. And it's such a special thing that I'm so happy the NBA has and the NBA is lucky to have those group of guys. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, I mean, it's been a part of my life all throughout watching basketball, obviously. And, yeah. um, you know, I definitely have had more criticisms about it over the years, over the recent years. But when they get going and it's the banter back and forth, that's what makes inside the NBA, man. The banter, oh the jokes, the... Did you see did you see Shaq Ch- rubbing on Chuck the other night? <laughs> rubbing his hamstring. <laughs> no he had a yeah he had a cramp in his hamstring and Shaq was just ru- that made I was like this is gonna be memeable stuff I didn't catch it live I uh, I didn't catch it live I caught the stuff on Twitter afterwards and I was just like oh my god like this is- <laughs> and definitely since Shaq was added on the show it added more uh not not a not volatility, because I guess when I say that, that implies like you know something bad or whatever. But it's definitely more. Uh, you don't know what you're gonna get with that with that crew. It's it, it's it's Shaq adds an element of humor and randomness that just yeah at its peak, it just makes inside the NBA just really funny and and just awesome to watch. Um, like I said, they might be a little bit out of they might be a little bit out of touch with their analysis or out of date with their analysis sometimes i definitely you know and i i've been vocally critical of them especially when they've gone at guys like Embiid for basically not being a you know an every possession post-up player which is impossible to do now right but you know they're still they're hall of famers what the stuff that they do say it does bring value every you know and they'll make a good point every once in a while it's like it's like with anything else and uh more than anything, they're just entertaining as hell. And I'm glad that show is still on because they provide all the great moments. Like my favorite moments, like they had Chuck reading off the teleprompter, calling himself a dumbass <laughs> for the uh, NBA promos. Like they, they had Chuck basically saying like, this is T-Mobile's fave five list. Uh, let me give you my top five players. I'm a dumbass. And Chuck is just like, Oh my God, they just made me read that. Or, uh, you know, Chuck um, ragging on Phoenix for <laughs> for uh, being broke and not having people at the game and stuff like that. Like just moments like that that just make inside the NBA immortal. It that shows that well deserved Hall of Fame uh, Hall of Fame spot. It's but and you know to Mike Wilbon and Mike Breen too, um, because uh, we didn't grow up we didn't grow up with prime Marv Albert. We kind of got like you know late. We got cool. Like we got barely we we got late prime Marv Albert in the 2000s and the late 2010s, but the last five years have just been really horrible to listen to and just unpleasant. And um, so, but we grew up with prime is still prime Mike Breen, and he's my favorite basketball play-by-play guy. Him and Ryan Rucco and Mike Tarico, honestly, like those. Those are the three I think of, and um, Kevin Harlan too. Can't forget the legend Kevin Harlan. Um, almost did there. There's just a bunch of good ones, but Mike Breen is like for me. He, I guess he's R. Marv Albert. I guess. Well, it's fun when you think about guys that are like iconic and things like that. You always think of like the iconic phrases, right? 
Mm-hmm. Anytime I am at the park or shooting baskets, anything, I I yell bang and in my head <laughs> yep. or not more I hear I hear my brain. Right? Yeah, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I hear like I hear I hear it in my head every time mm-hmm. I every time I make anything, I, I yell bang and I hear in my head, I hear Mike Breen. And the only and the only two players to get Mike Breen to say bang twice back to back is Stephen Curry and Luka Doncic. <laughs> yeah. With uh with Luka with last year's buzzer beater against the Clippers and then Steph Curry pulling up from thirty five feet to beat the Thunder in <laughs> overtime. I, I, that is it. Speaking of moments where it's like, I knew where I was. I remember exactly where I was watching that game. I was hyped for that game because the thunder and the warriors had always played great games versus each other in the regular season, even during the Mark Jackson era, just because there was so much talent, but it was like warriors thunder Saturday night, ABC. I am in my apartment and I am not going anywhere else unless the homies come over and watch the game with me. And when he pulled up from 35, I was like, no way. And it just, I went nuts. Like my neighbors probably thought it was insane the way I was shouting at my TV and just shouting Curry the entire time and just hearing the bang, bang in the background. Like, Mike Breen's a legend, man. He's been there for a lot of the games that I've watched, obviously. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And, like, well, all all inductees this year were well-deserved, so. Yep. You know, uh, looking forward to next year, though, we got, we got uh, Chris Weber, who had a very touching interview. I don't know if you saw it. He had a very touching interview with uh, Jalen Rose after it was announced. Um, yeah. That, that was – that was it. That was like I don't know I can't even think of an equivalent, but like you know when like a a legendary TV show has like two actors re- reunite together after like one of them leaves in the earlier seasons or whatever, and like they come back later in the show and it's like oh god, they don't address it. Like they didn't even address like we're we're squashing a beef or they just kind of like move past it and was like all right this is done. What you and know have- like I'm good with that because. If you look into the beef and stuff, and obviously, you know, um, listening to Bill Simmons' podcast over the years, like, you know, we all know how close him and Jalen are and stuff. It really just sounded like Chris Webber wanted nothing to do with Jalen Rose, not even speak to him, not even, you know, acknowledge him in public and stuff like that. So just so to me, it's like, yeah, they didn't address it yesterday, but just the fact that those two got on TV together for the first time in like 20 years. Um, I think the last time they made a TV appearance together, it's on YouTube. You can look it up. And it was, it was such a cool interview and their friendship and stuff really shined through, but just seeing them together yesterday on TV for the first time in forever, that in itself just lets me know, okay, they, they're probably good. Like they're, they, they squashed it. Don't need to hash it out. I love you and they were together and they were, they were, um, they're reminiscent about some stuff and you know, you can tell that their connection is still so strong, right? Yeah. Even, even if it's severed, like, you know, they still have, they've some always bond said they're brothers. Like to they, yeah. they've always said like they're brothers. It's just, you know, they don't, they weren't talking and it was kind of just like, you know, I know all of Detroit was happy too, because they're Detroit legends, like him and a uh, uh, Jalen Rose and Chris Weber, they were legends. So I know some Detroit writers that I, that I follow on Twitter, Jamel Hill, uh, more prominently, like I know, 
Detroit natives were happy to see the reunion also, as well as basketball fans and Fab and uh, old school Fab Five fans. So it was good to see. It was good to see the men fences. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, next next year is is Chris Webber, obviously as we talked about, uh, Paul Pierce, Chris Bosch, and Ben Wallace. So mm-hmm. interesting class. Interesting Long- class for sure. I don't know if you have. I don't know if you have a strong Ben Wallace take. Um, on I think he's. I think he's a great defensive big. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I put him in the same class of defender as like a what I would think of as like a. Like a Dennis Rodman. Four-time defensive player of the year. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like, I again, Ben Wallace is is definitely deserving of being in the Hall of Fame as, like, one of the greatest defenders ever. Um, I don't know how high I rank him. I'd have to really think about how high I put him. Yeah, because I, I, I know a lot of people in our generation and people who will look at Ben Wallace's metrics will look at it and be like, how is this dude not in the Hall of Fame already? But to me, it's also like, I want to put him in, but also I look at him on the other end and I'm like, okay, yes, I know offense isn't everything, but you have to play both sides of the court. And he was a liability on that end. And I guess I just, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't have a, because I know uh, the older media have felt strongly about, have been feeling strongly about Wallace making this class. And I know a bunch of people on the other side think he should be a no-brainer Hall of Famer. I guess I just don't have a strong opinion either way. I don't know if I would have made him – I don't know if I would have put him in the Hall of Fame. Like, he has a case. I just don't know if I would have made that case, I guess, is he's what I'm saying. He's a very fringe case to me. He's a what? Um, he's a fringe case to me. Like, yeah. I would like, – on the outside looking in. And I think, like, yeah, I think if you want to reward him for that defensive metric, I think that's fine. I don't necessarily – to me, it comes down to the eye test, too, of – he played for he played in a great situation with great all time defenders too. Like not all like his he played for great defensive teams. Mm-hmm. He was and the best one though. He was he was the best. He was sort of the linchpin of that. But again, it goes down to a thing where like I don't <laughs> I, I might get tripped this too. I don't think <laughs> this goes back to the Jazz liner. I don't think Rudy Gobert. If Rudy Gobert wins more defensive players, I don't think Rudy Gobert is a is a Hall of Fame player. He's going to be though with all those awards. Yeah, but like, do you, like in your mind, when you think of Rudy Gobert, do you think Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer? No, we'll see by the end of his career though, because I do think at some point, like he, it as much as I like to slander Rudy Gobert, and as much as I think um, people have now fetishized, uh, fetishized is that a word? Or I'm, I'm not saying the word right. How they fetishize rim protection. Um, he's probably going to win a couple more defensive player of the years. And at that point, it's like, he is a great defensive player. Um, Would I take his style of defense in the playoffs? No, that's going to be the conundrum with him. But no, he's not a Hall of Famer to me. He's probably will be one by the end of his career. Yeah, but again, that kind of goes to my point too. Of like, (laughs) dude, if you're not playing, if your style of defense doesn't work when it matters, like what does it matter? Yeah, exactly. But um it is a regular but, season award. Yeah. But again, but, uh, like when yeah, you look, it doesn't work in it. Or I wouldn't say Wallace. it doesn't work in the playoffs. Cause I do think some of it is overblown because James Harden is just impossible to stop anyway. Um, but yeah, it, I, he's not a hall of famer to me. Yeah. 
totally agree. Like I would, I would take, I, I mean, honestly, I know people have talked about Rudy Gobert as like the best defensive player of this generation. I'm sure he has an argument, but I would just take Draymond and Kawhi personally out yeah. of this last decade. Like those two full stop, just give me those guys at their peak. Yeah. I would, I would a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, there's, I, again, I can see the argument for having Ben Wallace in there. And like, I, again, I don't disagree with having him in there. I just think he's a very fringe case. Yeah. And I think we have to be careful with putting guys in that are like fringe cases. Like, again, I'm a well, Laker fan. It's too late for that now. Everybody's putting people in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. like, I, like, I'm a Laker fan. I don't think Michael Cooper should be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Interesting. Just me. No, right? no, like, no, that, I mean, that's fair. I've heard either or on him also, so. I mean, so the thing, the thing when you look at Michael Cooper, like, yeah, he was a defensive player of the year, five-time NBA champion. He's never made an all-star team. Yep. He's been, he's been a first or second all-time NBA or defensive team player eight times. Okay. Uh, obviously, he's done great. I would put him more in as a coach, a WNBA coach, than I would as a play as a player and no all no all nba teams either which i think for me that's a better all-star teams matter but if you're if you make the all nba team like that holds a little bit more weight with me oh, absolutely but i mean to me you have to have at least one or two of all nba or all yeah teams. exactly and michael cooper doesn't have any of that <laughs> no. so to me like i don't know why he's in there again it's in there he's in there because he was a part of the showtime Lakers. yeah so how much of that do you put on him riding coattails and how much you like, again, I don't want to discredit Michael Cooper. Michael Cooper is one of the best defenders, like perimeter defenders the league has ever seen. That's fine. Understandable. But is he a hall of famer based on just that merit? I don't know. And I don't think so. No. And I would put him more as a coach than I would as again, as a, as a player. But again, that's just my opinion on it. And again, I can see the argument for either way. But to me, and this is coming from a Laker fan, that like I don't think my. <laughs> I do think it should be. There's part of me because I actually I read a really compelling thread on why the Basketball Hall of Fame allowing a lot of people in is uh, actually good for basketball because, uh, the basically the case was my. The case was for this guy, his baseline projection was, for me, the Hall of Fame, the one qualifier is, can you tell the history of basketball without telling that player's name? And if the answer is no, then he should be in the Hall. And he tried to make the case that it's actually kind of charming that a inclusive sport like basketball allows is more lenient with their Hall of Fame than maybe other sports are. But at the same time, like, some of the people that are going coming in is like it's like okay there has to be some kind of limit right <laughs> well, that's what I'm when you look at when you look at a guy like michael okay i, mean, I feel so bad for using michael cooper as like an example but like when you look at michael cooper and you look at his resume versus someone else's resume there's a lot of players that aren't going to make the aren't, aren't going to make the hall that are going to be that are that are have better resumes than michael cooper mm-hmm. and then you look at it and you go well why then then the complaint becomes why is this why is this person in but michael cooper's in and then then it opens the floodgates right 
Mm-hmm. And then that's where you get the problem. It should also least- be it, it. It sounds stupid and simplistic, but I think it should also be if you say that player's name and you think yes, automatically, like Chris Weber, yes, Hall of Famer to me. Like, I don't, I don't even think it's a question. Uh, the guy was the best player, and w- was a top five player for at his peak for four seasons, averaged 20 and 10 over his career. Made deserve to be in the Hall of Fame just based on college alone. Yeah, just especially because it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. Like, he should be in for the Fab Five alone. It was kind of crazy that it took him this long to get yeah. into the Hall of Fame. But he's I, that's the one I'm happy about. Chris Weber, Chris Bosh too, although I think he should have made it this year. But I kind of, when you, when you look at the nominees that were – you know, with like the class that we just illustrated, um, I could kind of see why he got moved back to the other class, to the 2021 class. But uh, Chris Bosch to me, also a Hall of Famer. Um, but Ben Wallace, eh, like I'm a little iffy there. Like, yeah, like, to, like it should also Hall of Fame should just be as simple as that. Sometimes, like, where if you say the player's name, if you think Hall of Fame, yes, he should be in. Yeah, I totally agree. Is there any other uh, hot takes for the playoffs that you have? The playoffs, the real playoffs actually start this Saturday. But uh, anything you're looking for in the play-in? Are we just basically putting on our Charlotte Hornets hats? (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, think we're putting on our Charlotte Hornets hats and hoping for for some some really, really good... LaMelo Day um, 1 stand-up. Yeah, (laughs) I'm hoping for some good Steph Curry play in the playoffs to to see to see some jazz tears. <laughs> that is, yeah, that that's that's my main that's my main goal because then we could have, uh, you know, Jazz Slander Part Two. We can name one of our episodes Jazz Slander Part Two, and it's just us ripping the jazz. Yep, all day. I love it. Love it. All right, cool. So, uh, thanks guys for watching. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. The BOB.